Before we start this episode, I just want to take a minute to thank everyone for everything so far. Without you guys sharing and listening, this wouldn't really be possible or worth it. So, yeah, I can't thank you enough. I just want to let everyone know that we've been putting the episodes up on Patreon a few days early, so patreon.com slash nowherefaststudio. It's kind of confusing, but if we have a Monday release, the episode will be on Patreon the Thursday before. If we have a Thursday release, it will be available on Patreon the Monday before. So, I don't know if anyone cares, but they're there if you do. Also, uh, if you've enjoyed this episode or any of the previous episodes, please not only tell a friend, but if you have a minute, leave a review wherever you're listening to the podcast. That helps spread the word. It helps new people find out about us, and uh, it really helps with discoverability and all those fun kind of behind-the-scenes internet analytics. So, yeah, if you have a minute and you can do that for us, that would really help. Uh, That's about it. Uh, Once again, thank you for everything, and enjoy the episode. By looking at your Instagram, I saw that you were out of town celebrating a birthday. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I was in Vancouver for like two nights. Happy uh, bladed. How was Uh, that? uh, It was fun. Yeah, I wish I could have had more time to do things. We only had so much time, but... um, yeah, the trip itself was fine, but leading up to it was really stressful. And I had a lot of anxiety for like many weeks because I was waiting for my uh, renewed driver's license to come in so I could fly like a valid photo ID. But like yeah. my mailbox was like broken into three or four times. And I was so I, I just don't think any of those um, renewed license cards like came to my hands like they just like I think they just got stolen and so yeah I had to fly with like a birth certificate and like yeah I, it was just like not ideal I don't know but no it, it was fun yeah the trip itself was great and I went with some artist friends and yeah it was cool to do that nice that it worked out in the end it's always super stressful like leading up to it. I always find like even if I I feel I'm I'm fully prepared there's always something that it goes wrong like last minute, super stressful, but it always seems to work out. It looks like you had fun. What'd you yeah. do out there? Um, what did I do? <laughs> it was like two nights. Um, it was a lot of <laughs> it was a lot of drinking <laughs> and just like eating in different places. We checked out like yeah, some cool food places. Um, went to the Vancouver Art Gallery, of course. Um, went to like some other small art galleries that we could pop into. Um, 
yeah, the Vancouver Art Gallery was a great experience. I haven't been there since 2019. And I found that it was like a very, it was like a well, well curated gallery. I don't know. Like it was just very concise in a way. And in, even though it was really big. Yeah, it's different from the AGO. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, I was going to ask, is is this kind of your first time like traveling since the pandemic? Um, Like second? I, I did go to, yeah, I think it might be my second time. I did go to Toronto, um, or actually third time. I went to Toronto um, this summer and uh, last fall. And yeah, flying this year, it wasn't, um, well, I, I guess this recent trip, there was everything kind of felt somewhat normal. But yeah, yeah. flying this summer, there was like random testing. And like in the fall last year, there was like, of course, the uh requirement for vaccination proof and um yeah like the federal law with like masking and stuff so it was like kind of scary back then a little different but yeah I guess I've went a couple places do you uh you have ties to Toronto like art wise or was it just like purely <laughs> vacation uh it was purely vacation yeah no I yeah it was yeah it was more so just to see a friend of mine that I met in university and uh, haven't seen in a long time. She like let me stay in her place. So I thought, oh, that's a great deal. I could just like stay with you and we can like go explore and whatnot. Um, yeah, I don't have any like ties with Toronto, but I guess I, and theoretically, if we lived in, didn't live, go through a pandemic these past few years, like I would have been like flown to Toronto for the BMO show. Um, oh, so yeah. I, I, yeah, it's 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 crazy to think about. But yeah, last year I uh, won the BMO award for Alberta, uh, the BMO First Art Award, and so they like their tradition or whatever um, is to fly out like thirteen or thirteen or fourteen artists from each province, and then a national winner um, to Toronto for a group show to like celebrate the award and whatnot. But um, because of the pandemic, like these past two years, they're not doing that. So they just have like a a, me a big media release and whatnot. So yeah, I think I thought that because I won that, I wanted to, I really wanted to check out Toronto um, just to get a sense of what it's like there. Um, that's uh, that's huge. Hey, congrats. Um, is that like postponed at all? Like, will you have the option to go out and receive the award? No, it's not like postponed or anything. There won't be like any event. It was just like a different year for 2020 and 20 and last year, 2021. It was just like a, an online media release that tried to reach out to, you know, outside of Canada and whatnot. Yeah. And there was like a cash prize, of course. And then like um, a catalog and yeah, like some media stuff. Like they try to get media to reach out to the artists to give them a bit of a platform. So yeah, I had like a CBC radio interview at seven in the morning and oh my God, I'm not proud of it. I was so tired and just so, so nervous because it's radio and oh God, it was awful. <laughs> oh, like it was live. Like it there was, was live. No, no editing or anything. No, they called me at like seven in the morning. It was like, all right, like you're on in 30 minutes or whatever. And then like all of a sudden it's like you're listening to the radio, but you're part of it. And you have to speak and it's it was so 
it was scary to me. I don't know. <laughs> did they ask like decent questions or like did they put you off with with everything they asked as well? Um it, it you it was like a really short bit. Like they could only give me like what 10 minutes or whatever. I think it was less than that. So and I have a really bad habit of talking way too much and like exceeding time limits. It's like something I gotta work on. But um the you could tell that the questions they asked me was very much catered towards like morning radio. You know what I mean? It's yeah. Not of course it's about the art, but a lot of it I felt like if I remember correctly, it was about like my family. It was about like my background and like why I'm doing the art that I'm doing and like about where I grew up and stuff like that. Just like a lot of like heartfelt contexts for like audience to enjoy. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. I, I know you mean, I've heard a lot of people say in those situations, it's almost like verbal clickbait, right? Like <laughs> they, they just want you saying things that appeal to their like broad audience. Mm -hmm. And it's, I mean, great of, of someone that big to like platform artists, but I've also heard with interviews like that, they don't fully understand like the the subculture of art. You know, they're just radio interviewers, like they're not necessarily art critics or anything. Right. So like maybe the questioning is is a bit off base. Yeah. But still cool. Like I mean, I've never been on CBC, so that's amazing in itself. Yeah, it was. I, yeah, I'm grateful, and it was really a cool opportunity. It was. I just still feel like it was kind of, you know, random in a way. Like it just felt like so weird. Like why did I? Why did I do that? <laughs> did it? Uh, were there any like benefits? Like, did it further your art career at all? Um. I don't know. I don't like it's not like I don't know if it has created anything for me. Like I just it was just I just got on the radio and I'm sure some people ended up hearing about it and they may not have may not know much about the art world or like know me in general. So um I guess I just I feel like I maybe reached out to different audiences. Um and I just was grateful for the opportunity just to like share like my own personal experience and like um, to talk about the stuff that matters to me. Um, yeah, just to like be able to talk about it to like random people that and I, um, yeah, who I don't know, where I don't know who the, uh, is listening is. So it's kind of a cool opportunity. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, so the I mean probably you're going to hate this and not, not the greatest question to ask artists, but could you describe like the, the type of art that you make? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's so funny that you acknowledge that artists hate that question. Cause it's, it's such an easy question, but you think, but it's like so nerve wracking so many, for so many artists. Um, yeah. I, well, I was formally trained in printmaking and something called Intermedia. It was at the University of Alberta. And it's essentially focused on print media, um, learning more traditional methods earlier, and then like getting to more experimental at the end of my program, like, and then also blending it into like the realm of just um, multimedia, 
new media, like media that is um can be installation like and like could engage different surfaces and uh uses different materials and thinking about like different materiality. Um but yeah I I would say like I I make print-based works but in presenting it in a uh different way uh and experimenting with different media outside of just uh something like paper and i also work with uh digital stuff like video and photo and kind of use what comes out of it to uh create new print media um yeah and with digital stuff i've also been experimenting with like 3d printing uh i'm not i'm so like not even great at like the art of 3d modeling and like um 3d rendering and stuff but i like know basic stuff to create like certain objects and images that mean something to me and like i've been learning that you can like do a lot with it um outside of just having it as like a 3d object file like you can print it and like uh just showcase the object itself in different forms like uh yeah I heard you can do it in like you know AR and VR these days but I haven't touched on that myself because it's pretty time pretty like feels pretty daunting um yeah that's kind of like the gist of what I'm into um but things always change and it must be I mean, not weird, but what you're talking about, like 3D printing and AR and VR, is is all like relatively new, right? Yeah. So you're you're kind of learning as everyone's learning, I would assume. Like you you just said you're not great at it, but I wonder, like, is anyone great at it? <laughs> like, just because it's so new. That's a good point. Honestly, I feel like a lot of artists, um who use stuff like VR and AR, it's not necessarily that they're pros at it. They're just experimenting. It's a medium. And yeah, you just got to learn how to do it, you know? I mean, that must be kind of interesting in itself because a lot of art practices are uh, older and kind of set in their ways, like in a, in a good way. But it's interesting to be able to come and experiment with kind of a new art form that everyone is is figuring out kind of at the same time. Yeah. Uh, wait, what was your question? <laughs> Sorry. No, no, I'm. It was more of a statement, I guess. Just saying, like a lot of a lot of other art practices are kind of how they are like they've been that way for generations but this one is is new so you're kind of figuring it out as everyone is figuring it out yeah absolutely like i mean you you see it in contemporary art like we're in contemporary time so like everything is just like um you see like i guess i can say like trends you know in mediums like you see like People starting using, um, what's it? Oh, a lot of people are starting to use like uh, AI, AI image technology, yeah. to, like make sketches of their thoughts. And then um, some artists are even dabbling into NFTs. I know that's a controversial thing in the art world, but um, yeah, like some artists are even like working with NFTs. 
Um, you see like NFTs, AI, VR, AR, like a lot nowadays. So, you know, yeah, I, I that's so true that it, it, you just, I mean, artists learn from each other and artists are influenced by each other. So it's kind of inevitable that you start seeing similar trends and mediums um, as we move forward. Like, I mean, it, there's, and there's always this like, issue or not issue like there's always this concern for or some artists about being original or like you know quote-unquote originality like in contemporary times like what is original like what is not ever done before or whatever I feel like it's almost like an impossible thing to achieve like yeah there's been so much like art and technology that like I feel like that's not even a concern anymore. Like this whole thing with originality, it's more so just using the tools we're given and just like making the best out of it. Like, yeah, make, what's the phrase? <laughs> making lemonade uh, lemons or whatever. Oh yeah. Yeah. When, when life gives you lemons, bank yes. lemonade. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> that's what it is. No, that that's great. Um, you know, the you you said previously you come from a background of printmaking. I've I've heard kind of through people I've talked to either on here or just in my personal life that Edmonton is is a pretty or at least it used to be a pretty big hub for printmaking. Like we were pretty involved with the is that true? Yeah, I think I mean I didn't live the times of you know 80s 90s and early 2000s of or yeah like so I don't like know the whole story but uh based on my time here these past six years and like having the privilege of learning printmaking and um getting into that whole world um yeah I realized that Edmonton has such a strong um like reputation and history when it comes to printmaking there's of course, the print studio at the University of Alberta who have been teaching printmaking um, for decades and has like a one of the best print studios in the entire country, I believe. It's a really big, spacious, diverse um, print studio and diverse in terms of like, you know, equipment and mediums and resources. And, and then, of course, you have Snap at Edmonton, um, who's also been here since the 80s, I believe. Um, and has is an artist run center um which is completely different from like you know an institution like u of a and what and i feel like that's what makes it really special is that it's been run by artists and supported and has supported artists for decades and um it's really cool to see that they're constantly like they're constantly doing something and they're constantly like supporting uh the community and i damn, I really don't know where I would be if I didn't like apply to be a part of their artist run res artist residency, you know, like I'm, yeah, that definitely changed a lot of things for me. And I'm really grateful that they um, saw value in my art and my voice um, right after graduating university. Like, that's just wild to me. Like, I really didn't think I would get that opportunity because I didn't think I was quite there yet in terms of experience but um i'm just grateful that they support artists like me and they see a lot of great potential and try to uplift certain voices what what year did you graduate last year <laughs> it's pretty crazy it I, I it's it feels like years ago like 
every time like, oh, when did I graduate? And it's like literally last year, but it doesn't feel like it. It's kind of wild. And and now you're focused on showing your work. Like, is, is that how it works? Like once you're done school, you shift focus to showing? Yeah, uh, I like ideally that's like, I guess what you're, I don't want to say what you're supposed to do because like there's no right or wrong way. Like many people take a break after school. Um, many people maybe focus on different directions after school before like feeling ready to like have a somewhat of a showing like career. Um, but for me, I, yeah, I, I didn't want to like, waste any time personally like I've always and this is has a lot to do with you know like my background where I come from and like the type and the art that I kind of talk about but I've always like felt like if I don't work hard then like I don't really have like a purpose and I'm not really um meeting the standards of you know my family who sacrificed so much for me to even have a life here stuff like that and so yeah I'm always about like people my close friends know I just like I'm so burnt out and like I just always think about the next opportunity and like I'm kind of a yes man to opportunities like I don't say no and like I'll try to work it in and like I just um kind of shoot myself in the foot sometimes or bite off too much that I can chew uh stuff like that what um do you are you focused more on like showing work or are you trying to like monetize this at all like are you doing any uh design work like for a job or is it all hmm. i mean it, it, it's all a job but i mean are you trying to get a paycheck for designing for other people or are you just trying to be like a gallery artist um Recently, I've been more um, um, associated with, like, gallery work, I guess. Um, it's funny you bring up, like, design stuff, because I've always actually wanted to do that. And I, that was actually, like, my, like, I guess, backup plan or, like, like one goal, like, after school is that I would, like, be able to do some design work to get in some money. But I've actually never even done that yet. Um, so... Right after graduating, I got uh, a summer job with the Works uh, Art and Design Festival right. that's on the square. Yeah, I was on production for that summer. And then after that, it was a bit scary because I couldn't find work at all for like the fall and the winter. So I didn't have a job and I was just living off my uh, grant and award money. Uh, I got a grant because I knew I was going to do like the SNAP residency starting in January. So then I was doing a residency and then near the end of it, I started doing production again for the works. And um, yeah, and then now I am at uh, Latitude 53, um, kind of like a gallery assistant or their intern. And so I've been around. Yeah. Now you, uh, I mean, reference Snap and reference Latitude. And I know when, when I was pitching this interview, to you, I, I said I, I wanted to know a bit more about like showing art in the city. Uh -huh. is, is Latitude kind of like the the best place to, to show off like smaller independent art? 
in the city or like what can you speak to that at all? Um, well, Latitude has had a long history of being a specifically a contemporary art gallery. I think in the sort of the what's the word for a art gallery? Um, like the mission or the mandate, I guess, of this particular art gallery is to like support both established and emerging uh, contemporary artists or artists who have more of like a contemporary uh, edge or like style and tendency. Um, I know for like, I know they're moving soon, so I don't know about programming uh, in the near future, but I'm sure they're still figuring it out um, to get things planned ahead of time. But um, they've, shown a mix of like solo and group shows and I feel like every time there is a group show it's like made it they make it happen by like local curators who are also emerging and they want to like support um more uh marginalized artists and like artists who have who need like a boost in their career like or perhaps more like again emerging um I forgot what the name was and I should know this, but there was like uh, a show not too long ago that was, it was something about, was it called Soil Beneath Us? I forgot what it was called, but like um, it was curated by um, two local emerging artists, um, Kiona and Sana. And like they made this great, really fabulous show that had so many different artists and they were all coming from like, POC backgrounds and like black and indigenous voices. And it was like something very specific. And I feel like Latitude is a gallery that very much uh, supports those type of things. Um, so I guess it depends. Like sometimes you'll see really great group shows that support um, local artists come up. And then sometimes you'll see like one solo show that's like perhaps a more established artist who's not from Edmonton and is from somewhere else in Canada type of thing. Um, yeah, but it's it's very like well versed and diverse in contemporary art. I think, yeah. I hope that answers your question. I feel like I couldn't really answer it as well as I could have because, like, I you know I I've been an artist at Latitude like this past year, which was great, just through Schmoozy and uh, this other group show. But um, I just started working there like in September, so I don't know like so much, you know. Yeah. No. 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 That was great. I uh, had a friend of mine, Ali, a comedian, on a few episodes ago, and I was saying to her that uh, I don't mean any offense by this at all, but I, I went to one of her live, like one of her stand-up sets, and I just, I don't know, for some reason, like I was overcome with the thought that like these people were trying so hard in the turnout wasn't what it should be and i wonder if that like applies to art as well like i've i've been to some shows even at latitude that were absolutely incredible and there's like not nearly as many people there as i feel there should be does that like ever frustrate you oh totally i mean just that's the thing about the whole art world i feel like like i feel like not enough people um have an interest in art or have like just an interest to go to the gallery to see art um, and like kind of just get to know a bit about the artists in their area. 
Um, yeah, so I feel that way with the art scene just in general, but I, it's definitely frustrating when it's like an actual event that's planned, like an opening reception, right? Like there's been some opening receptions I've gone to and I'm like, where is everybody? <laughs> you know, like, it's like, it's an opening reception. It's like this new show that just opened and it's like, why is it so quiet? It's weird. Um, but I guess it depends. Like, I know like for my opening reception, I'm like, I was just like elated. Cause like, it was just so busy. Like there were so many people and it was, it was, I was sharing a space with Shan, Ray and the grand. So like that definitely brought in a lot of people. Cause she's really cool. Um, yeah. And it was, there was a lot of people and I, I feel like I didn't do much to like promote my opening. I just like posted about it on my Instagram shared on my story like a few times before the event, like emailed some professors, stuff like that. Right. So yeah. I, I, the, some, the people that there were some people that I was expecting to see and they weren't there. And there were a lot of people that I did not expect to see there and they were there. So it was kind of weird. Um, It, yeah, it just depends, I guess. Like, I don't know. I, I know you said something about like, maybe sometimes like people try too hard with, like getting people to come and then maybe that affects things, but I don't know. Yeah, actually I, I hadn't even thought of that until now, but do you feel like there's a, a fine line between like not promoting enough and over promoting, like being too aggressive and like sharing? I, yeah, honestly, like probably like, I mean, maybe, I feel like if someone was constantly sharing about it, like maybe like every day until the event or something like that, something very extra, like if they were doing it too much, like, I don't know, maybe that would like annoy people or something like, I don't know, <laughs> maybe like prevent people from actually wanting to come. because It's like, okay, I'm tired of seeing this on your Instagram feed. I, I constantly wonder about that. I have like, I have a belief system with all that promotion, I feel like you, not you, like everyone has their group of followers. And if they share an event, I feel all their followers saw it for the most part. And then everyone decides then like if they're going to go or not. So I think like posting it every day isn't really doing anything because people have already decided if they're going or not like maybe right one or two people get swayed by like seeing it but then i also feel like maybe one or two people get annoyed by seeing it as well so i i constantly think about these things anytime like we've had uh like in a where fast event i always don't want to over promote it and if it's like a collaboration other people want to really push it and that like I don't know it just seems like too aggressive so I wonder if that applies to like art openings as well because the the stuff we've done like isn't as uh substantial as like an art opening it's just like a, a beer collab or something I mean something fun but kind of like stupid in the grand scheme of things that sounds fun I feel like that would attract people to go to something like that more than like an art gallery <laughs> or something it, um, i mean i i understand what you're saying it just like i hate the idea of that that you know like you and your colleagues 
put out this amazing art and then have trouble getting people to come see it. But then someone like me can just make a beer or something like kind of useless and have a a larger turnout. Like I, I mean, I'm not complaining when it's my event and the turnout is kind of for our thing, but it, it really, I don't like knowing that like real things garner less of a crowd, but like these pointless events can do numbers. Mm -hmm. uh, you said it was a beer? Yeah, we we did a, a beer a collaboration with Town Square like in the in the summer and we had a launch for it at the common and uh it was oh, it was huge. Yeah. Like yeah, not I mean this this episode isn't really about us, but yeah, it was it was the biggest thing we've we've ever done. Like we uh, it was it was huge and then like you know i had a friend of mine coda show some art uh around the same time and and me and my girlfriend went to the opening and there was like no one there it was like oh, it's kind of sad you know oh. I, I just wish wish artists could could garner more of a like a crowd because they they deserve <laughs> like so much more 100%. Can you uh, explain a bit about all the, the Ikea bags? Like all the all the art you're doing with Ikea bags? Oh, <laughs> it's funny you say that. It's like, I, they're the <laughs> Ikea bags. Uh, it's the blue, um, like polyethylene tarps that are yeah. used for like painting and construction and also like Oh, uh, they're not like. Sorry, now no, I no, apologize. I, I no, thought no, no. that they were all IKEA bags. <laughs> no, that is so funny. Um, it's it yeah, it's so funny bring that up because I'm actually like going to IKEA today to pick up some things, and when I was like going through it, I saw that you can buy big IKEA bags, and I like wanted them because I was like, oh, that looks like the blue tarps are they made out of blue tarps like oh that's cool i should get some ikea bags <laughs> um oh yeah no you're not wrong because like ikea bags i'm pretty sure is like the same material of like that blue polyethylene plastic for um like making tarps um but yeah um yeah they're the big six by eight foot tarps with the grommets on the corners that um i like buy a lot of to like work with um yeah both as like a ready-made material and like thinking about it conceptually but also um using it as just like a, a medium to print on like i done a lot of silk screening on tarps and it's kind of become a really cool thing um that i like to do in my practice and what what's like the the motivation like what what made you start using that stuff in your practice um it was during my last year in my um last year of school in my bfa program i was it was during the pandemic right and we were still like moving forward and i i didn't want to take a break i wanted to get it done with um so we were had to do things like remotely and it was an intermediate course so of course many people focused on video and so i focused on uh video and i took advantage of this really old DSLR and tripod that I had and like 
I started taking a lot of videos and uh, yeah, a lot of video footage of both my friends and eventually my family in my hometown in the Chinese restaurant that I grew up in. Um, I It started off as just like a lot of different footage of me and my friends, like doing different things that are kind of mundane and just getting a bunch of like archived footage and like stills from that to work with. Um, but like I wanted to take a different direction and do something a little more at the time, a bit more like risky and like just be a little more vulnerable and kind of think about why I'm doing the things that I'm doing and like concern about the things that I'm thinking about. And so I wanted to like go home and like experiment and I didn't think too much of it, but getting that footage from home at the restaurant, like really wrap things up in terms of the digital content of the video. Like it added that important context of like those things that I'm so concerned about, like lineage or losing lineage and like loneliness and like coping with all that just by like, with like, you know, kind of the whole idea of chosen family um, and just having like kind of a complicated relationship with like my family and just in terms of like not being able to, meet their standards when it comes to wealth and um, success and like quote unquote normal um, goals, like having a family and like a wife and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so all, all of that happened. And so I eventually had to uh, got the in-person opportunity to like create installation work or physical work to like provide context to all of that great video work that I just made. And so I was like, I was walking in Dalarama one day and I just saw like a bunch of these tarps. And for in that moment, I just knew I wanted to buy them and work with them. Cause like I maybe did not do, you know, the research and like thought about all of the concepts in the mo in the moment, like in Dalarama, but like I knew I wanted to work with it. And the more I worked with it, I the more I learned about it, like it's weird because it's like, you know, a ready-made object and I guess to different people it could mean so many things but for me like it started off as like a very industrial material that I really liked like I'm really interested in just like the idea of the Anthropocene and like living in contemporary times where like you know plastic dominates the world and yada yada and so I was like really fascinated by the industrial quality of it but then it became like a um, a social material where I learned that people use tarps to like claim space so that they can like sit together. Um, it's used to indicate a state of change or like state of transition. Like people use it to protect like apartment balconies or like their boat <laughs> or something like that. Um, so it's become so many different things. And even the blue color is like really, it really stuck with me. Like I, again blue could mean so many things to so many different people but it's a color that um stuck with me and for me is kind of personal and has ways of communicating like certain feelings I have and like thoughts I have like in terms of feeling like cold and existential and also like feeling the pressures of being male in the context of like being second generation Chinese and all of like the cultural stuff that comes with it. Right. Yeah. That's a, that's an incredible answer. Oh, okay, good. Very eloquent. Like, oh my gosh. You know, I like, I talk to a lot of 
people who wouldn't have been able to to piece that together. So that that's incredible, and that like really made me understand why you use it in like a short. You know, it'll be like the listeners will understand it as well. So thank you. I I noticed when I'm looking through your Instagram, the color blue like of these tarps is very like prominent. Do you um like plan on continuing with it, or at a point are you gonna feel like enough's enough and <laughs> you're kind of sick of the blue? Yeah. Um. I feel like other people probably think about that too um I think eventually like I'll probably find new directions and depart from at least depart from like the tarps um yeah like I think I love to use blue for a long time but maybe not forever like of course like yeah I'll eventually you know make different directions and change things up and I thought of doing that for my recent show at snap but i felt like it's just too soon to do something completely new and different like i feel like i've made so much important work uh recently so i feel like i just need to expand that so yeah as of now i feel like i'm gonna keep going and expand it um just with experimentation and like ways of presenting it stuff like that um yeah because i think it's it's become kind of true to me I guess and it's something that means a lot to me and I feel really strongly about it and really connected with it and yeah not anytime soon I won't abandon it (laughs) yeah yeah no no I love it and again like I apologize for thinking assuming it was Ikea bags we don't apologize it's actually good Years ago, we we did uh, Noah Fasher. That was kind of a, a re- like now super corny. It was like a logo flip of the IKEA logo, mm-hmm. and and I like I firmly say we did it first before it like became a, a big thing, kind of in streetwear. And my logic was that everyone everywhere in the world knows what IKEA is. Like every continent, like it, it's probably yeah. IKEA is is the biggest brand that people don't realize is so big. And the bags really stood out to me because like everyone has one of those bags at home. And I feel everyone uses them differently. Like I used to always uh, take all my online orders to the post office using an IKEA bag. But then I have friends that use IKEA bags for uh, like DJs use it for like record transportation. And Mm. even now, like in in the the corner of the room, I'm in my girlfriend has a bunch of stuff we need to take to the eco center in IKEA bags. So (laughs) I don't know. IKEA bags kind of stand out to me. And when I saw that blue, I just thought that's what it was. Uh huh. Yeah, that that's why I apologize for uh, devaluing your your practice that way. <laughs> no, it added more value. Are you kidding? Like, it, I I'm I don't even know what to say. Like, there's like more levels to it now. I think, <laughs> like, yeah, it's not just like a tarp. It's a specific material that's used for other things. You know, like, yeah, like in today's time, like plastics are like everywhere, and like, um reused and like utilized and 
so many different ways for like personal uses and like industrial uses. So yeah, that's just like, I feel like what you're, everything you just said about Ikea bags kind of reflects everything I said about the tarps in a way, like the different uses for it and how everyone kind of has one, but like people don't really think much about it. Yeah. Yeah. I should get yeah. me some Ikea bags. Yeah, they, well, uh, I guess Dollarama is quite cheap too, but I think they're like pretty cheap at IKEA. They're probably the exact same. I mean, they're probably made in the same factory. Who knows? Right. So uh, then, if, if I can ask, uh, I assumed I don't know why, but I thought you would be like born and raised Edmonton, but you're you're talking about like being. Spending only six years here. Where where did you grow up? If you don't mind, yeah. Oh, not at all. Yeah, I was hoping I could give some context and talk about that. Um, I'm from a very very small town in rural Alberta, like central Alberta, like kind of between, kind of like the halfway point between Edmonton and Calgary, like off Highway Two. Um, it's called Troshu. It's like T R O C H U. No one knows what it is. Um. <laughs> But yeah, super small town. I think it's like around 900 people now. Um, yeah, my parents immigrated there in 1995 uh, and took over a Chinese restaurant that I think was previously owned by like a um, a cousin or something of ours. Like, I'm, yeah, I'm not great with the family tree. <laughs> um, but yeah, and so I was born in 97 um in three hills which is the town like 15 minutes south of Troshu so in the area so I was born and raised in pretty much in rural um Alberta in a very small town um we lived in the back of a Chinese restaurant we didn't like have a house or anything it was so it was like kind of weird growing up um knowing that everyone else I grew up with had like nice houses and like farmland and so on yeah, it was kind of tough growing up in that environment for me, like, just because I felt like such a outcast. But um, yeah, I wouldn't be here today if I wasn't coming from such a specific lived experience. Um, yeah, it's yeah, a lot of people think I'm like, uh, born and raised in Edmonton, or like from Calgary or something like, I just love the city. And like growing up, everyone knew that I never this sounds kind of terrible, but like, they, I just feel like I never belonged there. And I um, always was meant to be in the city. Like it's the, the urban life or whatever is like something specific. And I think it's something that I always needed as someone who's, you know, creative or more of a creative person or more of a, um, more of a queer person, you know, stuff like that. Like, I feel like you need these urban environments um so um yeah come from a super small town but people seem to think I was from a city <laughs> maybe I just I've, uh, I've adapted quick I don't know uh and then it sounds like maybe are you the the first artist from your lineage oh I, I don't know that's a really cool question um I mean I'm sure very far down the line my ancestors were creatives I don't know like I yeah um I don't know much about that that'd be really cool to know but um yeah I don't know much about my family lineage or my family in general just because like 
my parents immigrated here and like I'm the first or I'm second generation like you know the first generation of my parents for coming from my parents to like expand in Canada I guess and like always wanted to know more about my family but like I just don't really know much I guess right. you were talking about how your parents like expected certain things from you like wealth relationships all that were they <laughs> not supportive of your art career or it again if you don't mind me asking oh not at all no this is important I think um uh well I don't know like I think as of now I'm starting to see some of their support and maybe it's kind of like not the conventional love that people are used to like you know like saying that they're proud and like hugs and all that stuff like I feel like I'm seeing their support now just because like they even came to my show opening and I did not think they would. I just didn't think they would even care about that stuff. And they ended yeah. up all the way here. So I see that they're proud of me and I hope that they're proud of me and I see that they're like supporting me in ways. But in the beginning, like when I first told them that like I got into the Bachelor of Fine Arts program and like how I was like really excited and stuff like I think for a long period of time throughout my program they were kind of in denial like even though I told them that I was like you know doing printmaking and like focusing on art they kind of like assumed that I was like in design so like it's weird because I know like the design program the art program like it's there's like there's connections and whatnot but like they're different and I told her that I was like focusing on art and like wanting to like do art but like she kind of first my mom just like for some reason translated that into like oh my son's becoming a designer he's gonna get design work he's gonna design stuff for people and so yeah he was she was even asking me like when am I gonna get a design job um after graduating but like like I just have to like it's kind of like talking to a a brick wall just saying like no yeah. like I'm no mom I'm I'm more I'm an artist and yeah for the longest time it was really scary to even say that because you know most people are like, oh, what does that mean? You know, what do you mean you're an artist? What do you do? <laughs> but now I feel like it's easier to say that because I now I kind of have a taste of what artists do and I'm proud of that. Yeah. Where um when you were growing up, like in this town, were you tinkering with with design and, and printmaking before you applied for this program? Sorry, what was your question? Like, what, did I, like, do any printmaking before even starting, like, my... Yeah, like, were, were you, like, screen printing shirts or any of the stuff, like, kids get into before, like, furthering a career in it? No, like, not at all. That's, like, something that's so crazy, I feel like, about these past few years. Like, I haven't had any... I, like, pretty much have had no art experience other than, like, photography experience of knowing how to do stuff on Photoshop and, like, work with a DSLR and um yeah like I I coming from that small town I didn't have any like great op artful opportunities and like I didn't yeah I didn't do anything or know much about printmaking uh until I went into the program and um I remember before I transferred when I was doing doing just fundamental courses my instructor was like you should consider transferring into BFA and I know you'll enjoy printmaking <laughs> he just said that thought that I would be a good printmaker so I just went for it and I started learning and I realized okay yeah this is a very meticulous sort of methodical 
process-based medium. And I felt like it really suited my mindset and my tendencies well. Not something that's like different from, you know, painting and sculpture. I That's very like hands-on and like direct. Um, yeah, I developed and learned about the world of printmaking in school and it was a huge privilege to do so. Like it, it changed my life, you know? Do you, uh, I'm thinking about how I see a lot on, on social media these days, like the presentation of pretty much anything is kind of leaning towards like video based. I mean, like TikTok and reels and all that stuff. So is your, our practice is like it demanding more like of you showing kind of behind the scenes and more videos like storytelling how you make stuff not necessarily videos tying into the projects but do you feel the pressure to like show people how you're creating through video uh not necessarily i don't think you like you mean like showing the like the process of making the actual physical work like yeah um i don't like to spoil too much i guess in terms of the actual creation process and like you know showing everything or showing exactly how things are done but i like to like be a little cryptic about it and like tease people with what i'm doing and um I guess the video work, like in the mix of this, like physical work, like the tarps, for example, and the printing, um, the, I guess the video work is technically process work. Like it's like video sketches, I guess you could say that are capturing like different explorations and then like finding great things that to use out of it that can inform the physical work. So I really, I've always liked showing video work with, sort of experimental physical works and just kind of having a dialogue between them or within them. Um, yeah, that's kind of what I'm thinking. Um, I'm not sure if that answers your question. I forgot. No, no, but... it does. And, uh, and that's awesome. I, uh, I way would way rather the kind of cryptic, like secretive approach, but it seems like these days it's more, like society is demanding to like see how everything is done like and and i was just wondering if you feel like if you can kind of get away with being cryptic still or if like the industry is demanding you show more um i like being cryptic i feel like if you spoil too much then like you you lose people's interests like if you're kind of cryptic and like just like teasing certain parts of the work you're doing or a project that's coming up. Like, I feel like that gains people's interest way more and it like excites them. They want to see like what this weird ambiguous thing is about. Right. And while you were like saying that about how there's demand for viewing the whole process of things, like I instantly thought of like this trend of now, of course, TikToks, and um, Instagram reels, you know, those like vertical videos. And like, I'm seeing a lot of artists like recording themselves in the studios or like um, showing the the whole process of their, of their work, like what, what they're painting, what they're printing. Um, yeah, it's become 
definitely has become a trend. And I don't know if that's something you were thinking of when you were asking that question, but yeah, that's, that's ex exactly okay. what I was thinking of. Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah. Now I think I understand you fully. Yeah. Um, that's just like the, the trend of like these, and it's obvious, I think it's obviously created because of TikTok, like this trend of recording yourself doing whatever you, it is you do in your life. And so for artists, like they show like the work they're creating. And I feel like sometimes they show a bit too much, like they do like a close-up shot or whatever. And they're showing like the work that's pretty much complete, but like they already, sh they show like how it got there. And it's, yeah, I don't know. It, it's, everyone does things their own way and there's nothing wrong with it. And it's cool to show the process work. And I guess there is demand to see that. But for me personally, I just feel like I don't, I don't feel the need or the want to like record myself in the process, but I do love taking photos of certain things in the process to like hint towards it. But yeah. Yeah. yeah no, it's a weird call. I I learned it better a couple of years ago. Like a photo, like a teaser photo is one thing, but like a HD video of like minutes of, of the process, I feel like I agree with you fully that that gives too much away. Like it gives, hmm. gives people too much insight. Doesn't leave enough to the imagination. I, I constantly wonder if in in the future like you know five ten fifteen years from now artists or anyone is just gonna gonna say amongst themselves like do you remember that weird time in 2020 when we were all like filming everything like why were we just giving everything away like that mm-hmm because I feel now people are already kind of like looking back at earlier social media and thinking like, why? You know, like 10 years ago on Twitter, celebrities used to just influence all their stuff, but it was all kind of for free. Like Kim Kardashian would just post like a, a book she was reading. And nowadays she would never do that without being paid to do it. So I wonder... Yeah. If in like 15 years, people are going to be like, I can't believe we gave away all these tricks for free. Like we should hold them closer to heart or at least sell out and charge for them. Yeah. I mean, that that's a, kind of a weird thought process as well. But yeah, I always wonder if people are going to regret like showing too much later. It sounds like you won't have to regret it because you're not giving in to showing it all right now yeah yeah i mean it's like you don't want to like again you just don't want to like spoil too much i don't i think and like with what you just said i think that's like an interesting i guess tension in a way between um wanting to like be generous and show like all the details but like also not knowing like whether or not you should be profiting off of it and not be doing like, you know, like when they say like, you should never do anything you're good at for free or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like if this is something that you're good at and that's like something special to you, like, uh, or something specific about you, like maybe in, especially nowadays, like, I feel like there's always new ways to find um, new ways to make things profitable, like find ways to like make money off things. And so 
it's like yeah I feel like that's a big thought with a lot of artists like they just not knowing like um when to when to like draw a line when it comes to like making money off something or giving it out for free like um and that could just be something like it could be something like an artwork or it could be even just like knowledge you know um and it's tough because like you're kind of working with the system we're given of like everything being revolved around money and needing money to like survive and stuff but when you're yeah. a lot of artists like are artists inherently to like have a sort of um what's the word uh, like a resist like a slow resistance against these things right so how do you resist these systems of like money and like profit and all that while also working with it to like know your value and like make money <laughs> yeah that yeah yeah that's gonna be a tough like back and forth yeah like, just with your own like psyche a bit yeah exactly what you're saying like do you make money or you do it like for the love of it mm -hmm. how to like find the middle ground right do you, you have any like any upcoming shows or bodies of work that you want to promote um i just um not anything in the near future like i have some things lined up like i'm uh I, I like i'll always be somewhat busy like in terms of shows uh i don't, I don't have another solo show until january of 2024 um it'll be at the new gallery uh in chinatown calgary so it'll be yeah i'm really excited about that one um and it's weird to have something so planned so far in advance but yeah. i guess that's just how programming works for a lot of galleries some galleries even like program until like 2026 or whatever it's kind of wild um yeah so i know that'll be happening for another soul show and i plan to do something a little more revised perhaps because it's so far from now i don't i hope that i get to like show something a bit more um show something that shows a little bit of growth rather than like old work i guess um so that's happening but this next year i'll be uh, I'll be doing a video project with the Art From Here Too uh, project. That's part of Latitude 53. Um, I'll be like interviewing some local artists and uh, making really cool interview videos of these artists. But the the term interview, I think, is used loosely. Like it, does, it doesn't have to be like a question answer type of video. Like it could be like anything really. So I'm excited to get started on that and represent some cool artists in the community. Um, and yeah, I'll be teaching a course at Snap and uh, what else? Oh, of course, um, I'm starting to get involved with Chinatown, which is really cool. Um, I've always wanted to get involved with Chinatown, just, you know, of course, due to my background and my concerns in my art and whatnot. And so, yeah, I'm really grateful to be um, getting more involved. I know one project is confirmed and it's uh, like a photo book project um with some Chinese and indigenous artists uh and it's going to be like touching on the idea of Chinatown and um yeah there's also another project but it's not confirmed yet so I don't know if I want to speak towards it 
Is is your showing at the new gallery? Um, is that the first time that you'll be showing work in Calgary? Yeah, yeah. So it's exciting. Yeah. How do you you see like Calgary's art scene compared to our art scene? It it seems like a, a bit further ahead than we are. Oh, really? From from I mean my novice outsider's view on things, but I guess mm-hmm. as an artist, what's your thoughts? Um, like I don't. I feel like I need to explore Calgary more in order to have a better say. So I don't want to like speak too much because I don't actually know and I don't want to sound like ignorant. But like, I think not that one is better than the other, but I think the Edmonton art scene and the Calgary art scene are very different um but like different how i like i i just think because like calgary's has this reputation of like being like a wealthy city just due yeah. to like oil and energy and stuff like they've had so much like more advancement of like their downtown area for example like and they have a really cool like contemporary art gallery and um I don't know, maybe it's just like a personal bias thing. And I again, I need to like know more about Calgary and check it out more. But I just felt like Calgary's always been like this money city. And like Edmonton has a really strong arts community. Like a lot of it is like community. And like there's like something like the EAC that supports a lot of young artists who don't, who need like a start in their career and stuff like that. Like there's like, I think just Edmonton has like specific support and community and i think support and community is something that's very essential to the art world that a lot of people don't realize you know there's just like that opportunity of networking and of course funding and um all that stuff yeah Edmonton's very like lively i feel like when it comes to arts and culture um yeah and even like theater you know I I constantly hear that too. I especially just through doing this podcast, I've been able to talk to so many like creatives and in, in all different lanes, and everyone has like such great things to say about our scene and in the community. It makes me wonder, like, kind of backtracking to why why these shows and performances and stuff don't get the turnout you would think they would get like even hearing hearing how people like see or seen it seems like we should all be coming together and and going out to more of these events but here's hoping i guess yeah yeah that kind of goes back to something you asked earlier um i think like when it comes to like people not showing up to events or like openings or whatever like I feel like a lot of it is dependent on networking, like just to like, if you know these communities and you know these people, whether you're just acquaintances or your friends or whatever, like if you just know these people and you can like tell them that this thing is happening and it's something that they'd be interested in, like, I feel like that's how you get a lot of people coming in. Like, I guess like it's hard work, I guess, but like you would probably have to if you're an artist or something of the sort, like you would have to build a uh, following, I guess. Like it sounds kind of gross, you know, it's like this very like 
somewhat superficial thing because it kind of makes you think of like Instagram or it makes you think of like, I don't know, it's just weird to say like you have to have followers or like you have to like get gain a following. I'm just saying that in the sense that like, you know, you should talk to people and like get to know people in the community so so that they, they know who you are and that like they know like these events are happening and yeah, that's like, I feel like that's how people just start chiming in and yeah, you gain interest that way. Yeah, I I know exactly what you're saying and I know the feeling of it it kind of being like gross in a way. Like I talk about this with, with people on here constantly too. It's weird to me because you would think to be uh, like a well-respected artist or, or any like a musician or a skateboarder Whatever, mm-hmm. like all you'd have to do is is make good art, make good music, be good at skateboarding. But now, like social media, is mm. is a huge part of all of it. Like you could be the the best musician, but if you don't really have an audience to like share that with online, it's gonna hurt like your your attendance and stuff. And it's it's weird. It's something I've like kind of accepted. You know, but like I, uh, gross, gross is like the best way to put it. Really, because mm-hmm. it, it just feels so weird, but it, it like yeah. it's essential. It's, it's yeah, exactly. It's yeah, that's what it seems he says. It is kind of essential in order to just like reach people, right, and let people know that this is what you're doing and that these things are happening. Yeah, I, yeah, it's wild to think about how the art world and artists um reached out to people before like you know smartphones and social media like it's it was purely on like networking and word of mouth and phone calls and emails probably and like and just like knowing people and being good at art you know so now yeah it's weird how much social media has changed things and yeah it does feel gross but it's like something you have to work with i guess yeah Mm. yeah it's uh inevitable I guess it's right. like I I used to hate it. I mean, I still hate it, but I used to hate it more and try to fight against it until I kind of realized, like, just because I don't like it, I'm I'm not big enough that I'm changing anything. I might as well just like play along with with whatever rules they've kind of made up, just yeah. to like facilitate these things. And we we like kind of. I wouldn't say cheated because like we we earned all of our followers on the Nowhere Fast account, but we we were like a, a brand and then a retail store forever. Mm-hmm. And I I did kind of exactly what you're talking about. Like I focused a lot on community and like actually relating to people and we like build our following kind of slowly and you know, we were lucky to be around like when it was a bit easier to grow on Instagram. But now, now that I've closed the retail store and I'm focusing on the podcast, we have like a decent fan base to share these episodes with. But we we definitely didn't like someone was asking me yesterday, actually, like how we just got like 7000 followers on on a new podcast. I had mm. to explain to them, like, we kind of cheated, like, in a way, they're all real, like, we earned them, it's just they were there before we pivoted to this, like, audio interview base. 
Right. But I mean, it's still like it. It's like you're saying necessary. Like no one would listen to these without that fan base. So, and now if I can just use that to now those people all are gonna hear what you have to say, and that's really like the the greatest thing to me hmm. is to be able to like take that follower base and then share like your story and other people's stories with them so they know what what's happening in in the city and i have a strategy too i, I want to start out like talking to a lot of local people but then once it gets big enough kind of branch out and then once I'm getting people outside of the city, they'll gonna share the episodes and their a few of their followers will become ours and then they'll gonna be exposed to all the people I talked to from Edmonton like earlier on. So it's kinda like tricking tricking people into hearing about like what we're creating out of Edmonton, but I think uh in the end, hopefully it all works out, goes according to plan. Yeah, it sounds like a really fantastic idea. Like, it's really amazing uh, to hear, like, you were going for a different direction in the past, but you've already gained such a, uh, you've gained so much support and um, a sense of community. And now you have that and you can, like, have them support you in different directions, like a podcast, right? Like, like I don't think you're, you're saying like, feels like cheating with these like followers or whatever, but like, it's not cheating at all. It's like literally a following and a community and support that you have earned and worked hard for and, you know, achieved like over time with different, yeah, maybe a completely different project or direction, but like, they're still, you know, your supporters. And so it's really cool that you can do something different and still have them listen and see what you're doing and yeah like you just said it can then they can make so many opportunities for like new networking and like hearing the stories of local people yeah it sounds just like a great project and yeah I'm really glad you I'm happy you like reached out and wanted me to be part of it like that's really cool yeah no no I'm I'm super happy you uh came on and did this but i think this is like probably one of my most like substantial talks and like you're so good at articulating and like explaining <laughs> your product like i think you know this will end up being like an hour and 20 minutes but i feel people will get like a real a real backstory to what you're creating and, and kind of feel like they can relate to you as an artist just from this like short summing up of what you do so thank you for for not only creating great art but also being able to explain kind of give a backstory to it that's great um before we leave is is there anything that you want to i mean we just talked about how gross it was to amass followers but do you want to amass some followers like where can people look at at your work online yeah. Um my Instagram is hi I'm Kev. So just no dots or anything, just H I I M K E V. I have a website. I need to really work on updating it, but I have a website and it's uh kevliang.ca. So just K-E-V-L-I-A-N-G.ca and 
yeah, those are like two things that you can like see when I'm up to, I guess. Um, yeah, and there'll be like contact info or if you ever need to reach out to me for whatever reason. Uh, yeah, I don't and have much. I'll, oh, I'll directly link those two in the show notes just so people are, are sure to, to find you and your work on there. But um, yeah, I'll uh, I'll let you get back to your Sunday. That was great, and uh, I I really appreciate it. That's uh, that was amazing. Uh, a really concise talk, and hopefully, uh, whenever like I mean I say this every episode, so people are probably so sick of hearing it. But whenever I I'm lucky enough to talk to someone, uh like someone with kind of a niche like subsect of what they're doing kind of opens the doors for more guests like of that nature so i mean you're kind of the first i've talked to a few photographers but you would be the first like artist of your type that we've talked to but now hopefully with with you on here i can reach out to other artists and kind of use this one as as reference so Absolutely. Yeah, hopefully there's much more conversations like this in the future, and uh, and you you can kind of like know that you you help pioneer any further <laughs> any further talks with artist people. You you were the first one on here to do it, so. Oh, that's so cool! I did not know that I was like you know the first, I guess, visual sort of artist um, on your podcast. That's. Yeah, I'm yeah, always grateful for any form of platform. And yeah, it's so cool that you wanted me to come on for your first, I guess, somewhat of an artist talk or whatever. Um, yeah, and it means a lot that you said that I can like articulate well because I feel like I can't a lot of times and I'm like really poor at explaining things concisely. And uh, but yeah, it's always like a nerve-wracking thing. But I'm yeah, I'm glad you listened. Um and you enjoyed the talk and yeah i yeah this means a lot yeah thank you yeah yeah thank you that was great um we i'm sure we'll we'll talk now that we have each other's phone numbers and stuff but uh yeah yeah i can't thank you enough enjoy the rest of your day yeah you too thanks so much um yeah hope we can actually meet in person someday you know? yeah yeah it's- totally i'll uh i'll try to bring all my friends to your next event and uh hopefully we can get those numbers up <laughs> okay awesome thank you yes thank you see you kev all right take care